All right. Good morning, Reach Church. All right, so if kids want to head out to Reach Kids, they can head out now. All right. Here's the Exodus. All right, there we go. Uh, all right. Oh, Randy forgot that. All right. <laughs> all right. Connection books. Sign those. That's our, our way of making sure you stay connected here. So uh, before, before we jump into, into Romans, um, we only have a couple more weeks in Romans. Actually, this is, this is the second to last week in Romans. So uh, we're coming to an end. But before we jump into that, um, you probably all know this, but so that uh, those of you who, who haven't heard yet, um, we recently acquired a, a new addition to uh, this thing we call REACH, uh, Tri-State Christian Academy. So the exciting part about, about this is that um, they're right in our backyard and that we have a mission of reaching Cecil County and so do they. And it's exciting that we can partner with them in that mission. Um, very similar to how this campus was started. Uh, the board there saw the vision of nothing but Jesus and saw what Reach Church is doing and they, they wanted to be part of that vision and so sought us out and and asked if we'd be willing to, to run this school to the glory of Jesus. And so uh, we're excited about that. We're excited to partner with them and kind of to have a special relationship with that, with that school as a fellow. Oh, we're like five minutes away. So hopefully we'll get to do more and more with those students and um, partner with them to reach Cecil County. So, uh, but with that, with that, um, Growth, growth can be painful. Amen. Growth can be painful. Uh, and, and growth is, is not comfortable. All right, the teenagers, you know, you know the growing pains. Um, and that's actually what we're talking about today. We're talking about uh, growing pains, the struggles of growth. And that's true of, of REACH as an organization, but that's also true here. This campus is growing. Amen, right? right? Parking, parking lot issues are good issues to have. Um, but, but we don't want to be naive. Like that growth, growth is hard. And growth requires sacrifice. And that's actually what, why Paul is talking to. Uh, he brings that up in Romans 15. So last week we talked about the weak and the strong. And matters of conscience and um, matters of opinion and how we can stand with the weaker brother and we can... Uh, kind of leave people to serve Jesus and, and we don't try to lord over them or rule them. But last week, I did ignore the larger context. All right, the larger context of that whole passage was one commandment to welcome, to welcome. And that the struggle was that there were new people coming into the Roman church and they were not being welcomed. They were not being invited in. They were not being included with welcome arms. And so, uh, today I want to focus on that aspect of things. That how do we welcome new people into the community of faith, into the body of Christ, as Christ would have us? When oftentimes the people coming in are very different. Very different, and will cause us to, to have to change if we are going to accommodate new people in the body of Christ. So, with that in mind, uh, we have, we have to, we're called to do three things in this passage. Three things to welcome the newcomer. All right, we have, to, we have to make choices not to please ourselves, 
not to please ourselves, but to please others. To find a source of encouragement and endurance and hope. And finally, we're going to have to unite around something bigger than just ourselves. All right. So, please others, seek out encouragement, unite around something bigger. And thankfully, we have, we have the encouragement of Jesus Christ himself, who showed hospitality and welcomed others to the glory of God. So let's, let's turn to Romans 15 and read verses 1 through 7. This is Romans 15, verses 1 through 7. And read with me. Romans 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproach of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are ever growing your church. And we thank you that we get to take part in your kingdom and we get to be the, the body of Christ. And Father, I ask that you would help us to, to see uh, what you're calling us to, to see how we can be welcoming and hospitable in the name of Jesus, how we can be those that, that welcome the newcomer and are willing to, to sacrifice as you have sacrificed for us. Father, would you use this, that we may grow and that we may uh, spread nothing but Jesus in this community. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. All right, so a little bit of context first. A little bit of context. This is, this is historical stuff. This happened in a real time, in a real place. And so there's events that happened here. So, uh, so Paul is writing to a largely Gentile church in Rome. And the new people who are coming into that church are Jews. And the Jews, they've been raised a certain way. They've been raised with the ceremonial food laws. All right, so we have what we'd call kosher. There's kosher laws. Certain ways that, that you're supposed to uh, eat meat, you don't eat certain things, you, you make sure it's, it's clean ceremonially. And those laws were instituted way back when for Israel as a symbol. And as a symbol that if we are gonna stand before God we have to be other, and we have to be holy, we have to be pure, we have to be clean. And it was supposed to be a reminder to the people that, that they are unholy before a holy God. All right. So those are the people who are coming into the church, and they're coming to know Christ, they're coming to know Jesus. And they're learning that they are washed clean by the blood of Jesus that they are perfect in God's sight by the work of Jesus on the cross. And because of Jesus, 
because he has actually washed us clean, there's no need for those ceremonial laws anymore. They expired, they're no longer in play because the, the, the true cleansing work has been done. But these Jewish believers, they've always thought this. They've never eaten anything unclean and they couldn't do it. It went against their conscience and so they were coming into the church and they still weren't eating the meat because you couldn't find kosher meat in Rome apparently. Um, they had everything, but no, no kosher meat. So they, so they had to go vegetarian. And so the question was, how are all of these Gentile believers who'd never heard of a food law, who didn't care about clean and unclean food, they knew Jesus, they didn't, they didn't worry about those things, how did they welcome in these new believers into their midst? All right, that's, that's what's going on here. And what would the, what would the result of having these new believers in their, in their congregation mean? All right. Vegetarian potlucks, that's what it means. <laughs> All right, that's literally what it means. Uh, this, is a, this is a culture, I know, right? Right, that like the church was, was basically formed around meals together, that you ate together. And here are a bunch of people coming in and ruining the party. All right, no meat, no seafood, no bacon, all right, the good stuff, the good stuff. <laughs> they, in their weakness, they, they couldn't have it, and the whole church was being affected by that. All right. As the testimony of Jeff here, uh, that, that isn't very happy. That's not good news. Um, now, that's the historical example. That's the historical setting of Romans. Obviously, that's not really the, the case today. Um, All right, but, but the, the principle is true. That when new people come into the church, this body is called to adapt and to change and to meet the needs of those people. To cater to their weaknesses, to endure, to bear with one another. Now, what might that look like in, in, our, in our body here? All right, so new people come in, they might have differences in, in their theology, in their theology. And that's going to cause us to have to be more accommodating because there's more than one way to read the Bible. And there are, flex, there are, there are certain things that we say are essentials and they cannot change and we're not going to break, but then there's all these other issues, secondary and tertiary issues, and we have to be flexible. And we can't be demanding, and we have to say, okay, this is the, this is the broad realm of acceptable things, and we're going to have to bear with one another on that. All right, maybe it's, maybe it's things that are uh, culturally sensitive, and that as the body gets more diverse, as different people from different backgrounds come in, you might not be able to say the things that you used to say before. You might have to think, okay, is this going to offend the person next to me? Is this person on, on like a total different side of the political spectrum? But they need to be in the church. Maybe I can't be as opinionated as I used to be. Or maybe, maybe it means just having grace for those who are less mature, who have just come to know Jesus, and they come with, with their baggage and their sin as they're supposed to, 
because we have a gracious Savior? Are we willing to receive these people? If we do receive them, it, it demands that we, we change and that we adapt and we bear with our brother. And what does Paul say here? He says, verse, verse 1, chapter 15, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So Paul's saying, bear with the weak. You have an option. You can please yourself or you can please your neighbor. You can please these newcomers. You can eat meat or you can go, go the vegetable route and welcome these new believers. And he's saying that, that if we are truly the church, if we are truly like Jesus and the body of Jesus, we cannot please ourselves. That to make that choice would be to make the, the not Christ-like choice. Now, that means, that means sacrifices. That means that when you come here, you come here not to please yourself. That when you listen to the worship, you're thinking, okay, it's not about what pleases me, it's what, what pleases the community. This is not my church, this is our church. Our church, the body of Christ, looking to reach Cecil County, the people of this, this city, these cities, the surrounding areas. All right. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, verse, look, look at verse 3. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproach of those who approached you fell on me. All right, it always goes back to Jesus. If we're going to do this well, we're going to remember that, that we are not our own church. We are, we are Jesus' church, and we are Jesus' people. And Paul reminds us, okay, when Jesus went to the cross... He wasn't doing that for his own pleasure. That he didn't do it because he liked to be there. He did it because we needed a savior. Because we needed someone to die for us. That it was us or him. And, and we desperately needed him to come for us. If he was all about himself, we would all be lost. Now, we are called to be that to one another, to the church, to be Jesus, not to please ourselves, but to bear our cross. All right, an example of this, an example of this. Um, when I was in seminary, uh, I had to run, the, I had to run a, a young adult Bible study, and it was the magic study. Like, it, like, everyone, I think, gets one in their life, is like the magic, perfect Bible study where everyone is exactly the same. They're all, they're all like the same life stage, and we were all young and fun and normal, and we, we've like, because we're all seminary nerds, and it was good. Um, and it was perfect. And we thought that we were being, we were being just like the, the community of Jesus. And, and then, then someone came. Someone came. And we realized that we were not the Christ-like community that we thought we were. We were selfish, and we were clicky, 
and we just wanted to please ourselves. We didn't want to be Jesus. Now, that's the challenge of, of newcomers, of new people in the church. They will convict you of that. And they will show you that after all, you are not maybe as Christ-like as you thought you were. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, I want, I want the perfect church. I want the perfect worship. I want the perfect community. But maybe more than I want those things, I want to be like Jesus. That I want to be like Jesus. And I'm willing to sacrifice those things so that I can be like Jesus and honor him. The scripture is all about, it's all about Jesus. That this life is all about Jesus. We are the church because of Jesus. Now what does it look like for you to suffer to welcome new people into the church? All right, maybe that means more awkward conversations with new people. That's okay. That's okay. Maybe it looks like inviting people over to your house. Maybe it looks like going to, to lunch after church. But when we come here, we should think, how can we be like Jesus and welcome those who are here? All right, that is really hard to do. In our little Bible study, we, 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 we had that mindset every week. And within 10 minutes, we were getting up off of our crosses and running away because it's hard. It's really hard to do. And that's where Paul, Paul knows who we are. And he gives us this, this sort of rabbit trail talking about how we can find endurance and encouragement and hope to be this kind of church. He points us to scripture. Look at verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. All right, if you caught that in verse 3, Paul quotes the, the most obscure passages. Psalm 69, verse 9. Like, that's not, that's not a memorable Bible verse. And if you're thinking about, okay, of all the, all the Old Testament, of all the Bible... Where has God best sacrificed and welcomed those who are, who are not welcome? You wouldn't think of this psalm. It's a little weird that he did it. I don't know, I don't know if it was just Paul's, Paul's quiet time was in Psalm 69 that day, but he, he thought about it and, and he picked out this verse, that when he saw David suffering, he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus bearing the reproach of the people suffering in our place. And he uses that, that random weird verse as an encouragement to the people. All right, this is his plug for scripture. He's going on his argument and he takes this plug and time out to say, you cannot do this unless you're finding encouragement and endurance and hope through Christ in the word. That we read the word not just not just so we can check a box, but so it will still sustain us in the work that we have for us. It is a hard work. We don't want to bear our cross. We don't want to get up there. And so we have to see time and time again that Jesus did it, that he did it for us. It's the heart of God. And we think of passages. 
we think of passages that, that point us to these kind of things. So maybe you think of the, that one lost sheep that the shepherd went out to find. Or the coin that the woman was desperate to, desperate to find so she cleaned out the whole house. We think of, of the passages about all of heaven celebrating when one believer comes to Christ. We think about his, uh, his love for this, the sinners and the tax collectors. His welcoming the little children. People he literally had nothing in common with. And maybe we go back further and we think of the heart of God in the Old Testament. We think of how, how relentlessly he pursued Israel. That they were running and running and running. And he was pursuing and pursuing and loving and caring for I think of Nebuchadnezzar, who of all of his evils should not have been saved, but God, God chose him, of all people, to humble and to save and to pursue. Or you think of the outcasts in Scripture, the women, Leah, Rahab, Bathsheba, Gentile women even. We think of all these stories, and we start to see this holistic heart of God and we see Jesus reflected in all of these scriptures, the one who does not please himself, but pursues those who are lost, pursues those who wouldn't have been welcomed. And that is supposed to sustain us, to give us encouragement and endurance and hope. That we would look at all these passages and see Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and the one who pursued us and the one who welcomes us, to his family. So my question is, do you, do you have this, uh, if you're going to do a commandment, you have to, you have, to have this category of, of like seeing the heart of God and you have to be able to tell the gospel in light of hospitality and welcoming one another. And that's what Paul's encouraging us to do. That we wouldn't just see this commandment and try to do it but that we'd see the whole gospel through this point of view. That hospitality is the gospel. That welcoming a new believer is the gospel. That it's, it's our story. It's our good news. And then he tells us to go do it. And that's where everything else, everything else falls flat. If you're just doing the commandment because you feel like you should do the commandment and God told me to do it, there's no endurance. We all try to do that, and we all fail. Or maybe you're doing it because for just practical, logical reasons, like, oh, if I welcome people, then the church will grow, and that's good. Like, there's no heart there. There's no encouragement. Or maybe you're just, you're just kind of pushing through and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do that for a little bit of time, but there's no hope there. There's no hope that ultimately this church will become the body of Christ. There's an end in sight. And that's why I encourage us that God has given us the Spirit. That we are the body of Jesus. And he'll help us to do this work. Now, why, why am I telling you all this? Um, we're growing and at some point, you're going to say in your heart, 
I don't want to grow anymore. I don't, I don't like that I don't know all the people in the room. I don't like that the parking lot's full. Like, I want a parking lot and to know everyone and to be comfortable. And I'm telling us that we want to be, we want to be Jesus to this community. And we, we want to keep telling as many people as we can about Jesus, folding as many people as we can into this body. And it's going to mean suffering. It's going to mean sacrifices. It's going to mean not what you want, but what actually looks like Jesus. All right, last aspect of this. Last aspect of this. Um, if we're not all about pleasing ourselves, we need something to be about. We need something to, to rally around, something to unite upon. And, and Paul gives us this one, verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so if we're not going to please ourselves, why don't we please ourselves? Why are we fighting for such unity? Why are we sacrificing? Why are we putting other people before ourselves? He says, so that with one voice you may glorify the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's about worship. It's about glorifying this one that we love. Now, how does, how does, how does welcoming a brother into the church increase the glory of God? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Some reasons. Uh, all right. The more diverse this body looks, the more we show off who God really is. Because God is not the God of white, upper-middle-class Presbyterians. He just isn't. He isn't. He's the God of everyone. And the more people who are in this church, the more we reflect that this is a God of all people. And a God that is worthy of worship in all circumstances, in all places, in all times. And it, it communicates, the more we sacrifice, the more it communicates the, the value of this God. That we'd rather see God glorified, we'd rather love him than please ourselves and love ourselves. That the more people are in this room worshiping, the more it shows that there are people who are willing to sacrifice to worship and glorify this God. But finally, I think this is the, the most important one, is that, all right, think of a choir. Think of a choir. The more people who are in the choir, the more, the more beautiful it becomes. And more grandiose and captivating that all of these people are singing in harmony. And that every different person who is in this body is singing us in a slightly different tone. And that you are all here worshiping God for, for slightly different reasons. And you love God in slightly different ways. And as we all come together, we together start to see why, why this God is so amazing. That if one of you is singing because you love the, the power of God, and another is singing because of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the mercy, the endurance, the patience, we start to fill out who this God really is. 
And if we're all singing because we're saved from different sins, self-righteousness or hedonism, or just, I didn't care yesterday, but now I care today, like, that shows what the gospel really is and the beauty of this God and the beauty of Jesus. And that's where this could be like, new people don't come, you're hassling us. No, like, if you're new, we desperately need you to glorify God. That there are not enough voices in our choir to, to sing the glories of God. And we cannot reflect his character without you. And so please come, feel, come be part of this community. We want to have you here because we cannot glorify God properly without you. And so, verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. All right. What does this look like? Find practical ways that you can express your welcome. Write down people's names after service so you remember. Um, hang out with people. If you're a new person, come be a part of the community. Come to a reach group. Get involved. We want to, to include you in the choir. But finally, finally, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. All right, we're going to do the Lord's Supper soon. And we remember, how did Jesus welcome us? He welcomed us when we were still sinners. We were dead in our transgressions when we had nothing to offer him. And to welcome us, he had to, he had to provide this table. He had to give his body and break it. He had to bleed, he had to shed his blood for our sins so that he could welcome us to this table freely and in grace. We don't have to bring anything. We don't have to bring a, a housewarming gift. It is free and it is given because Jesus Christ sacrificed. When we come to this table, remember that how Jesus welcomes you to this table, we welcome other people. That he is full of grace and he, is, he just loves to see people receive that grace in his name. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you've welcomed us, not because of what we've done, not because of our strength, but because of our weakness. That you welcomed us in spite of our sin, through your blood and through your sacrifice. And Father, I ask that, as the song we sang earlier said, uh, what could we do but, but offer our hearts fully to you? So would you help us to sacrifice? Would you sustain us and give us endurance and hope and encouragement? Father, would we be this body of Jesus? Would you make us like him? For your glory, we pray in Christ's name.